to INS, the International News Service, your source for the most important weird news from across the globe, with news analyst Kevin Harrison, actor, comedian, and musician Mike Wiebe, and professional commentator Brian Camp. INS, the news you need. Holy fuck, it's a good episode this week that we haven't recorded yet. Normally, we do a couple practice rounds, so yeah, we know what it's going to be. Smoke and mirrors. We do script the whole thing. People don't realize all of this, what I'm reading right now, is words off a script. It's really hard to keep... I'm off book. Some of the continuity stuff, the continuity stuff that we've established in our background and our characters, it's hard to keep it straight, so... Especially when I've been living a method lifestyle trying to get into character by living in a in a in a manner that the character would live like right. you know surrounded by doctor strange comics the illusion that's yeah exactly <laughs> just, just like just like the illusions that doctor strange casts right. it's it's an I, was illusion. Hoping, <laughs> I was hoping for a dormammu reference yeah dormammu does not cast illusions he he casts uh he casts black magic arts that seem oh. that they are real if you if you've committed to believing in him, which oh, I have um, not, he lives in a different dimension, right? Mm-hmm. What's his world called? Do you know offhand? He lives in the I don't know <laughs> the, Dorm- the Dormammu dimension. Oh yeah, the Phantom Zone. We can probably traverse a number of ours. We keep him out of our ours. Doctor oh, Strange okay. keeps him out of our right. reality. Right. You know, as as established at least for my character on this particular enterprise uh i listen to a lot of old radio shows and i think mm-hmm. i told you about one of them that is it's one of my favorite it's called chandu the magician Ooh, Ooh that's a chandu, good name. I know the name the magician but, yeah but supposedly that is what inspired the doctor strange character oh that, that sounds chandu, right the magician and i also think that it's chandu because his name's chandler and he's a westerner who lives oh, yeah. in India, and so I think uh, it's a little bit of a play on maybe the way his name is pronounced in another yeah, place. Yeah, I'm sure. Mm. But hey, it was they, it was a time they didn't know. They didn't know. They didn't and, know, you know how to behave. I do wonder though, like not to defend anything, but I wonder if in their eyes is like, man, I'm I'm this stuff's so cool and interesting to me talking about these other cultures, and they thought they were. If if anybody back then thought that they were like oh, yeah. drawing attention to something that was exciting and interesting to them, and right. they didn't know that they were like reinforcing or creating maybe even stereotypes. There's yeah. so there there definitely was a lot of that where it's like you know like I think Alan Quatermain was some of that like you know where it's like well I'm 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 honoring the African continent and you know right. showing how wonderful and varied and nuanced and human it is. Yeah. On the one hand, on the other hand. There is uh, the guy who wrote Fu Manchu, who explicitly was like, "Oh no, I'm I'm racist, and I'm writing oh, really? racist literature." Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, I think Chan. That they never, they never. It's never a laugh. It's never like a yeah. Oh, you silly! It's not like Hop Singh and Paladin, right? Which is yeah, super hard to hear sometimes. So I, I do think it is an example of them trying to delve into a culture for the value that that interesting 
otherworldly place would have on an American audience. I don't think yeah. at any point they're making fun of it. But you never know. Like it's you know it's radio, so you don't know who's yeah. doing the accents or what. So it does. It it didn't read mean to me at all. It was yeah. The, what do I know? Well, that's like with um, and I don't know if it passes, but with like with the those McEwen's characters that I do with Avery, yeah. they're like religious funda- fundamentalist, you know, youth pastor Christians. But the the bit on them is like they I in my in my and I think our thoughts on these characters like they're truly sweet people who are are like not racist at all, but they have mm-hmm. no idea how to say words that are current and up to date as far as how we how we uh, are sensitive with, you know, terminology. They're, they're just right. like, they're not going to say things. They're not going to say things that people said in the fifties or sixties, but they're like, they're definitely like, they're just unsure of, you know, the difference between like Asian and Oriental doesn't really, they don't, there's nothing cruel and they're not, they're not refusing to learn, but they're also not very bright. So they're not picking up stuff. <laughs> and you have to like, you have to sort of like accept that as a, I don't know. You don't, maybe you don't have to, but, uh, there is like there is a weird caveat on that. Like they just didn't know that then. Well, in, right. intent has to matter, right? I mean, if, yeah. if not to get too so far off, what explain this is, a little but, bit about the the McEwens, just because I love the McEwens, but I want you know give 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 a, give a little taste so that maybe the listeners might look up a video or something. Oh, well, there, it's it's me and a friend of mine, Avery Moore. We pretend to be these fundamentalist Christian youth ministers from from somewhere here in the South who are unable to have children desperately want to be around children all the time. So they're probably in their, in their forties and they're trying to remain really hip. They don't have kids themselves because uh, both of their internal reproductive systems are, are, don't work. <laughs> and they, um, they try to be really hip. They're just, they're really outgoing, doing their best to be young and hip and appear, appear cool to the kids <laughs> you know they're shooting their shot they're very, they're very sweet but they they're not incredibly bright and everything <laughs> you know most things in life are somehow are twisted into a reason to praise Jesus or be fearful of not being christian you know like in right. in their world like you know the 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 three most dangerous things in greater order like the the least the least most dangerous thing to the youth is uh guns the second most is drugs, and the first most dangerous is Ouija boards. <laughs> well, yeah, that is true. I mean, you can't argue with that logic. Yeah, good stuff. The McEwens. Yeah. Check it out online. No, I think I think the value of it. the The funny thing to me is, and I don't. I I always assume that this is a mistake we probably make constantly on this particular yes. podcast as well. That uh, other people have the exact same background that we do. So it is. I, I enjoy the McEwens because that is, if you have heard those people, which yeah. I have in my life, that is what it. It's not. It's. It's. I know that you're you're playing it for a laugh, and there is some of it is obviously a little over the top, but it's nowhere near as over the top. I think as someone who doesn't have experience with people like that would believe, right? It's. Yeah. It's not. Right. It's really not that far fetched. That. that yeah, is, yeah. It's a thing. No, I always say it's it's just repeating things I overheard and turning the dial up just maybe one notch, maybe one notch. Right. So welcome to the International News Service. Oh, yeah. We're your hosts. I'm Kevin Harrison, along with... I'm Brian Camp. I'm Mike Levy. 
really really got the energy up today no it's, it's not it's not about energy it's about it's about subtlety it's like oh. it's like robert duvall and tender mercies yes he's not over the top but okay. he's he's delivering an oscar worthy performance it's 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 the ghost notes it's what he's saying without saying it between mm. the lines that's what we just did. This is a more. This is going to be a nuanced episode. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. This Excited. Is, this mm-hmm. episode is full of nuance. Get ready as multiple angles and shades are explored over the next 45 minutes of high fidelity entertainment. It's going to make you oh. question your own own sexuality. When does when does North become Northwest and vice versa, Michael? That's mm-hmm. the kind of thing we really want to get into this week. When does Kanye West Child North become Northwest? So he went super crazy, right? Yeah, he went yeah. bat batshit fucking crazy. I mean, he's losing everything. He's doing it on purpose, right? This is this is sabotage. This is like career suicide. Sabotage. Just, just let the listener know this is like this episode doesn't come out for like three weeks because we had to yeah. we have to record early because everybody everybody's out of town but me because I don't have a life. So it's probably gotten a lot crazier by now. Yeah, it probably has, right? As of this point, he's lost. You've I've obviously you've heard about toe, him probably. freaking out, but as of the, at, at this moment, he's lost his his uh, creative agency or the CAA Creative Artist Agency. So he's lost his agents. He lost his he's lost his like attorney. His attorney. He's lost the sponsorship with Balenciaga, which is a yeah. fashion brand that apparently I think he feel like he cares more about fashion stuff than anything else, really, and that's probably hurt him the worst. But I think I mean to me, it just seems like a guy who's having has severe mental mental health issues and and there's no you know it's almost a little bit Howard Hughesian um and that yeah. there's nobody he's so rich yeah. and there's nobody who can tell him no and the people that could tell him no are the people that make their entire living off of him so they're yeah. afraid to tell him no yeah. and he's just yeah it's it's Howard Hughes nobody's going to nobody's going to confront him about all this stuff especially when he doesn't you know, having to recover from stuff like that is painful. You got to do a whole bunch of stuff that you don't like doing and it sucks. We'll see what happens. I don't think it's possible for him to, I mean, it's it's not a complete Brewster's Millions problems. He could burn through all his money. But I think that unless he, unless he was, did overt things that indicated that he wasn't really this at all. He just wants to destroy his life entirely. Right. Like he's never going to be broke. He's always, right. he is always going to be, just by virtue of being himself a source of some level of income, even if it's only the on the front page of stormfront.org or whatever it is, the yeah. you know, like even if even if that's the only place right. he has any notoriety, he'll make money off of that somehow. He's he's right. he has become too famous to ever wind back the fame except by go- turning into a complete recluse. Yeah. What if once Elon Musk tanks Twitter? Uh, mm-hmm. Which could be any day now. It could be by the time this episode comes out. What if then he he's like, "Hey Kanye, I know you just bought Parlor. I got another big investment for you." And then he sells him Twitter, and then Twitter is a smoking wasteland by that point. Didn't Kanye throw a bunch of money away on a music platform like a oh, yeah, streaming that, that did service? Happen. Yeah, with Jay Z and some other he, folks. I think he put oh, that was... service is still. I'm not. It's, I don't think it's successful particularly, but it's still going. Title okay. still okay. still up and going, and I think that okay. you know is that what's called title T I D A L T I T I D A L. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. I remember that. Yeah, it's still out there, but I don't know that. I don't know anybody that uses it. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I would imagine he'll always he'll be 
He'll be fine. The, he'll always yeah. the light bills will always get paid. Well, there was right. like there was a time like what like six years ago he was uh he was he was like having financial problems and he was he said on some show like Zuckerberg call me give me a billion dollars or something like because he didn't I have mean, any. He's always saying something crazy. When oh, you got rich, true. you're never gonna be yeah broke. Right. Right. There's no losing all that money. Right. Like you're you're it's just not. What about uh, who's that guy that we covered? The antivirus guy, Norton. Well, we we don't think. Remember, we thought he buried his gold out in the jungle. Are you talking about McAfee? Oh, McAfee, that's the guy. Yeah, yeah. McAfee. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he lost all of it. I mean, I think. And, but, and that's supposed, also supposedly the, worth like a hundred thousand dollars by the time he died. But he was going out of his way, and I guess that's my point. If yeah. if, if he was going out of his way to blow up, if Kanye's yeah. legitimately crazy, he's not trying to go broke. Right. He just isn't trying to maximize his his wealth earning potential but he still wants to yeah. make money right so it's yeah and they're and just like mike says if there's that many people that are if they're not shutting him down because he is a source of income they're also not going to let him stop being the source of their income right there they right. will yeah. do stuff to manipulate that right, right. yeah so. they'll do i mean at some point they'll be there'll be a big apology and i i would think there'll be a series about it there'll be a se- yeah there'll be an apology there'll be sort of some sort of a let's it's time we actually talk about mental illness you know oh yeah yeah, yeah. well i mean I'm, I'm all for that conversation cuz even if it's even if it doesn't work it needs to happen there's not I, enough i think mental illness i think it's shameful i think it's something that people should just <laughs> well keep yeah i mean it sh- it does show that if you if you ever get like depression or anxiety it's it's a sign of weakness right um <laughs> don't let people a, know and you know in fact and i i get we it do i not used advocate to, that position no i do no, advocate it and, and i i and i used and admittedly in a shameful way like i used to feel weak and occasionally get down but then i found the alpha brain monkey mindset and um mm-hmm. oh, i no. read i read the book that was in my head before I actually wrote it down and put it out there. Hmm. And oh my God, guys, <laughs> it's in fact, this is a general shout out to Kanye. I want you to uh-huh. read my book, alpha brain, monkey mindset, rags to riches, then back to rags again. But guess what? I'm still rich. No, literally I'm still rich, full of money. That's the full title of the book. Um, wow, it's a long maybe title. you need to check that out, Kanye, and, uh, <laughs> and and specifically check out chapter seven. Don't be racist, dog. That's <laughs> the that title of the chapter. Wow. How, how do you spell dog? D D O G. Oh, okay. Well, because it's 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 a metaphor of me uh, telling my my German shepherd happy not to not to bark at the neighbors. But it goes into a thing. Uh, there, it goes into a whole thing about how if racism's wrong for a dog, shouldn't it be wrong for people? Whoa! Uh, it's, whoa. And the Powerful. answer at the end of that chapter is yes, because you gotta <laughs> you gotta lay stuff out in a way that people can understand yeah. it. Because you can't just go like, "Hey, hey spoiler alert!" Well, it's cool that you took such chances, right? That you yeah. were willing to to put something like that down on paper. Yeah, so. people don't want to hear that. I mean, mm-hmm. but sometimes they have to, you know, because there's that thing of like, if I just say, hey, racism is wrong, people are going to be like, I don't know about that. But if I prove to you that dogs shouldn't be racist, and then I'd oh. show, hey, guess what? If humans like dogs so much, don't you think that we should act a little bit more like them? And then people are like, oh, shit. <laughs> Deep. Yeah, I basically the book is the book is constantly providing aha moments. And that was my aha moment. That's, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna race to the nearest Walden books and pick up a copy. Yeah, I don't, there's no more Walden books, Brian. Probably Nebraska. 
Go to go to go to Borders. Barnes and Noble. Is still around? Well, Barnes go and Noble's at, the Borders isn't, but Barnes and Noble is. Uh, books. Uh, go to Books a Million. <laughs> is it available at the checkout stand of all ga- all Game Stops? Is that? It, yeah, we have. There it? is. It, there's the. It's an oversized uh, softback book. Perfect. It's the wow. for dummies version. Alpha Brain <laughs> Monkey Mindset for dummies. Wow. <laughs> Does it come with some, you know, alpha brain monkey mindset uh, pills that raise IQ points? Oh, but it, it, yeah, it has it has several websites. It has directions <laughs> to get under the Tor browser, and then <laughs> then it has directions where to go on the Tor browser right. in order to buy the the pills. I mean, why create a paper trail if you don't have to? Right? I think that's 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 one of that's rule number nineteen. <laughs> don't be wasteful. Don't mm. be wasteful. This week, we've got two news stories, an arts and culture mm-hmm. story, and Mike oh. has a new story for us, and get to know your podcast. This is the beginning of a new series, folks. Excited. You want to get in on this one, because we've got a lot to cover in the next month. Start queuing oh, wow. up for tickets. I hear this is going to be a little more uplifting. Oh, this Mike, so this is, this is episode 95. Will this, will this series go through episode 100? Ooh, I don't know. We may have to plan out something real special for 100. Uh, we and I want everyone to start getting ready for episode yeah. one hundred. Right. Um, five weeks from now. Yeah, five weeks from now. Uh, send us in. Uh, you know your INS one hundred tattoos, <laughs> uh, <laughs> pictures of those, and we'll 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 be telling you. You know, we'll be cluing you into some of the celebrations that are going to be happening uh, around the globe. Of, around the everybody, globe, a month and right. from now, everybody should be getting the INS magician tattooed somewhere on them. Yes, absolutely. That's the Swami, the the mysterious INS magician. Yeah, that's that's good. Are we still going to do our suicide pack for 100? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, it's happening. Okay, cool. Over the Niagara Falls. Oh wait, is that a spoiler? (laughs) I thought it was going to be just simultaneous beheadings. Yeah, but while we're (laughs) while we're physically in the air over the Niagara Falls, yeah, crashing towards the the deadly waves. I was thinking we put a razor line somewhere halfway down the Niagara Falls, so then when we're going down. We all hit that line at the same time and flap, 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 flap. So our first story comes to us from Gizmodo. A few years ago, Don't Google Japan, after midnight. <laughs> a few years ago, Google Japan began showcasing ludicrous redesigns of keyboards as April Fool's Day pranks. That's my favorite rapper. I bet they're cool. April Fool's Day? No, ludicrous. <laughs> A motherfucker named Ludacris. <laughs> <laughs> One of these joke keyboards rearranged the standard QWERTY keyboard lay- layout so that every single letter, number, and character was in one long strip like the keys of a piano. Now, however, Google Japan appears to be in development of what it calls the Gboard Stick. The prototype is about 65 inches across or 1.65 meters and about 2.5 inches deep or about 6.5 centimeters. So it could fit on the edge of a, even like a super messy desk. Google Japan said the Gboard stick would allow users to stretch their arms and legs more and could allow two people to comfortably use one keyboard at the same time, which sounds really difficult. Google Japan also released all their design information on github.com. So you don't have to wait for these to hit the market. You could make your own right now. I don't mm-hmm. understand. So they take, so look at the keyboard in front of you right now, Mike. Mm-hmm. Now imagine somebody started with a little squiggly and they just, 
they just made every one of those rows in your keyboard. They just turned into one long line that was uh, five the feet, squiggly. five inches long. Yeah, a little squiggly. What is that? The uh, escape. Uh, mine's escape. not escape key, but yeah, sometimes yeah. it's yeah. escape key. So the imagine, tilde. The, the tilde, tilde, right? The yeah. tilde, yeah. So imagine escape key, tilde. Imagine just picking up that row and putting it mm-hmm. on the on the table, and then the row next to it, pick that up, put it right next to it, and then you have, yeah, a, no, you have one now. long line Wouldn't of keys. Wouldn't that take insanely long to type anything? Yeah, I think it probably would. I think I this is a terrible idea. I don't understand why you would you would do that. It started out as a joke keyboard, and apparently it's it's caught on. I, and I don't know why you would do it in the, in like the QWERTY design. I think it's still yeah. a joke keyboard. I think that's why they released it on GitHub, GitHub. right? Yeah, GitHub. But they did, they made a proto a working prototype, which I'm impressed oh. by. Uh, yeah. commitment to the bit, I guess. But yeah. I like that. Yeah, isn't the whole deal behind the QWERTY keyboard is that it was designed to slow you down so in an old typewriter the keys wouldn't strike each other when they were striking the paper i think that's part of it i i did some research to try to look into this it it was invented at some point in the 1870s but uh i got real bored with it and it wasn't really relevant to the story Mm. so i didn't do that much research well there's a thing called wikipedia though has a long article about it well i didn't know that i thought it was i thought it was designed because those are the letters that you uh use the most in certain scenarios it's desi- it is designed to be more appropriate for the left hand as well like that's why the s t e and a are all and the r are all on your left side i think i've no. said it before in here typing is maybe one of the few upper level classes that i actually use in my daily life it's true w- yeah. what do you do 60 words a minute 70 90 oh Pretty good. It's weird to think that there was a time the where word X. <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking about how good it is that I'm writing. Yes, bit, X I'm, over yeah. and over again. <laughs> Just the idea that that's your that you're that one. It's X over and over again. That uh-huh. count con- counts as one word, and still you're somehow only up to ninety a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Like that's, that's well, the- sometimes, sometimes I'll need to stop and take a drink during the test. <laughs> Just hold it down. You can take a laundry break. too. It's not like it's a sip. It's like we don't want to show off. Yeah, every and, and every time you take the test, it's with a human because you have to be able to say that I, you got them on a technicality. Yeah, there's no, there's nothing in the rule book that says that That's I can't right. win a win a typing test that way. Oh no, you'd have a typing trophy. <laughs> but I definitely am not using any of the uh, biochem classes. You know, that's yeah. not really affecting my life too much anymore. Well, once you know that you've developed how the brain was the point, right? Well, I mean, that's the whole thing is like, see, the thing is with that biochem class, it was all uh-huh. like nonsense and bullshit. They're trying to shove you down this so-called Western science. But, you know, Alpha Ray Monkey Mindset is really it's a lot of old world knowledge mm-hmm. and common sense. And that's what I, that's a big thing that I'm trying to make have a comeback common sense is there a difference between common sense and common horse sense well yeah um common horse sense mostly involves uh eating apples and hay mm-hmm. sugar cubes wow. when to kick yeah when Thanks, to kick Johnny. stuff when to jump when to stay still 
whether you should let very what kind of humans you should let ride you, what kind you should buck off. Right. <laughs> Boy, I sure like a good Clydesdale. <laughs> <laughs> we're batting a hundred. Right. We're batting a hundred in a realm we're supposed to be batting a thousand. We're three <laughs> outfielders letting the ball land right in the middle. Thunder. Over and over and over again. Staring <laughs> at each other. I thought you were gonna get it. So do we solve this one? I think so. This right. keyboard issue. Okay. I don't know. Uh, it's stupid. It's fucking dumb. Yeah, I feel like that's the problem. It's not your fault, Kevin. No, let it's me, just let me a ask dumb you, thing they're doing. Let me ask you something, because I did have a question for this. If you can okay. redesign the keyboard onto some device, like onto something around mm-hmm. you, like it could be on a PlayStation controller, it could be on uh, your your coffee cup, it could be on whatever, like where would you, where would you install your magic con- uh, keyboard that you're just like, this is the perfect keyboard? On a wrist, on on my forearm, on a forearm guard that could also shield me from knives. Ooh, that's the few, that's what we need to be moving towards. Yeah, you could write your poetry while you're blocking knives. Brian, it's I, a lot of poetry. Just did you people out did there. you pronounce that right? I don't think that's poetry. Kind of okay. All right, was he yeah, saying poetry? I think okay. he meant poetry. Okay. Oh, okay. I would put. I would do. I would actually do the the design would be the same as that new Google keyboard, the the long one. Uh-huh. You know, the real long one, but it would just go on my dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's a design. Because it's so, but not because it's so big, you see. Your, your proud <laughs> smile. If only the listener could see how happy you are. <laughs> because it's so long, you see. Oh, and it'd have to be a real big font, too. Mm. And don't hey, and don't forget and and on this on on this this one we're gonna have to have the second row of numbers because I've got the little extra you know quad of numbers to decide. <laughs> you mean the key the was it the number pad? The, the number num- pad, the sure. Number pad. That's right. <laughs> and then I like that at the very end, at the tip of my dick, it's just gonna say <clears throat> enter. You know. So uh, I rescind my question. A, my shaft at, so at where the shaft meets the base. It says <laughs> escape. And at the very tip of my dick, it says enter. I don't even know what that means exactly, but I like it. I think it it's, works good. It's like the psychic thing. Yeah, it is. It is like the psychic thing. Yeah, it means something. It does. So our next story. I got to wait for Brian to stop laughing. I'm narrating uh, to the what? audience on stuff that's going to get cut out. Okay. Okay. Um. So our next story comes to us from Boing Boing. What? Is that another? Is it another story about my dick? So, this is a story oh, about oh, you oh, a little oh, bit. Oh, this oh, is a story about you a little bit, Mike. So, as I think <laughs> we all know, Mike used to be the best bartender in Austin. Is that right, Mike? That's true. It's true. Yeah, yeah. I won. I won a number of awards. I was actually. I was actually announced as. Um, people, I was known as Austin's bad boy barista as well. Wow. Was that a? Yeah. a a title or was that an award? It was both. It was a okay. title and an award. They did a reader's poll and <laughs> then we got nominated. And then um, there was a, people would come in to check like the, the contest. You wouldn't know who they were, but these, the judges would come in and uh-huh. um, you know, I'd go like, it'd say stuff like, uh, would you like that for here to go? Bitch. Oh, <laughs> yeah. savage. Yeah. I'd, I'd take their name, like, like I'd, I'd write it down on the cup, but I'd never call it out. Just leave her hanging, you know? <laughs> leave her wanting more. Mike, That's some bad damn. boy shit, you know? That is. Yeah. So, yeah, I was Austin's number one bad boy so, barista. 
so more Mike, nuanced episode, but I didn't know we were yeah. going to get into this stuff. Yeah. This is pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, mm. so, yeah. Mike. It is it, despite your bartending and barista skills. It's a good thing that you've moved on to this lucrative INS hosting job because the mm-hmm. days of human bartenders may be over. A what? group of research. Yeah, I know. A group yes. of researchers at the University of Naples have created the world's first robotic bartender. This bartending robot, also known as Brillo, like the Brillo pad, uh, oh, wears cool. a vest and a bow tie and has a plastic human-looking face that lights up. Like Johnny Cab? <laughs> well, not yeah. that advanced. It's, it's, it, Get it just ready for like... a surprise! <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't blow up to my, to my knowledge either. So Brillo can make nearly any drink, and not only does it remember customers, but it can remember their favorite drinks. It also studies the faces and speech patterns of its customers so it can detect what kind of mood they're in. It takes this information and then uses machine learning to chat with the customers, and it even cracks jokes if your mood is right. Personally, I can't wait until they make a version for podcast co-hosts. Hey. Not very nice. Oh, cool. Well, you're already uh, you're replaced as a bartender. I mean, your days are numbered. I didn't get replaced. I left. I got I I'm I didn't they didn't sure ask did. me to leave. I left. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure, sure. I can get that job back right now if I wanted to. Right. And I'll fucking and I'll out I'll I'll out fucking make margaritas a bartender. Let's have us a little uh uh what was it? Steam steamboat Johnny? What's the guy? Steam Steamboat Johnny. Steamboat Johnny, the guy Steamboat Willie and John Henry, I think. John Henry, yes. Oh, okay. John Henry. I'll just have a John Henry contest with the robot and we're just we're just we're just cracking cracking open PBRs and mixing up Salty margs, salty dogs, margaritas, kamikaze in Long Island, and a sex <laughs> on the beach. <laughs> if I asked Brillo to make me a, a Bloody Mary at 1.30 a.m. On a, on a Saturday, Brillo's going to make it. What are you going to do? I'm going to say, oh, well, how spicy would you like your BM? <laughs> you, you, you want a BM? You want a BM that is... I'll make your bm so spicy that it'll sting you want to feel a real sting when you're when you're having your bm Ooh, okay, okay that's, that's fair. A, that take take a sniff of that bm Ooh, that's a, that that's some stanky bm that's that's why you're the best mike yeah that's, that's why exactly. you won that award you oh, think Bur- oh. do you think brillo's gonna know to do that brillo probably doesn't it, know what a bm is oh come on Surely that's part of the machine learning. That's like well, day yeah. one stuff. That's day one robotics. For now, Brillo's Italian. You know, he doesn't. He, he, uh, yeah, I don't know what they call a bloody Mary. Uh, wait, is it an Ita- Is this an Italian robot? Yeah. Italian yeah, they robot. Made it at the University of Mamma Mia. <laughs> <laughs> I like a make a U A beer. Manja. <laughs> We've broken Brian. You can't. The, I'm not, the, I'm the not worried is what I'm getting. What I'm getting at here is I'm not, <laughs> I'm not worried about this. <laughs> yeah, listen, Brian's wiping his now eyes. That is a spicy uh, meatball. Uh. <laughs> I will say, though, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's bartending is like a good job that you can make like some pretty good money on. But I mean, I guess once you've like scanned in your ID, 
Like there really isn't any reason for interaction in there, right. you know, like it yeah. could become a thing. I mean, it could take off. I don't think that it would ever like completely, at least within our lifetimes, ever like completely replace human bartenders. But I, I liked the last bar that I worked at for a long time, but it gets, it gets, it gets a lot. Sometimes there were definitely yeah. moments that I would like to have clocked out and had a robot take over. Oh, that'd be mm-hmm. pretty nice. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's probably a lot of jobs that are going to go that way. That I don't know. I don't know how quickly, but I mean, at some point there will be a lot of like Johnny Cabs and uh, right. and you know, like it's not it's not it's probably not even out of our lifetimes. Certainly not mine because I have the amulet. It's gonna right. You go yeah. forever and ever. All, but yeah. but right. yeah, like I don't know. Why not? Like. Well, somebody's got to maintain the robots, and maybe well, that's true. Yeah, well, hang out with get, the robot. You get smaller guy. robots to maintain the larger robots. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, I, I mean, I will, that's I'll tell you off if I'm at a place that has a kiosk I can order off of, as opposed yeah. to a human. I do it every single time. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I if I any kind of even and even at Seven Eleven they had, and this isn't this wasn't a robot taking a job necessarily, but they have much more sophisticated coffee machines now oh, so it's right. not just an urn that you pull a lever right it's it's you decide what you want i do like all those it, options and it doesn't brew it it just but yeah it's like the the fancy coke machine that some places have yeah right. they have I like one of those it. at the airport um yeah. too where it like yeah then you can do all the different sizes and types of espresso and right and and yeah, and it's pretty. It tastes about right, you know. Pretty like nice. It's not, yeah, it's no better or worse than what a coffee joint has. And I am to the point like I don't want to. I'm not like a like a, a crazy anti Starbucks person, but but I I'm I'm so tired of having my traffic and my the my drive being made more difficult by people trying to get in and out of Starbucks restaurants that I now hate Starbucks. Yeah, okay. I'm not. I'm not a fan either. I found out that one of only two uh, unionized Starbucks in DFW is in Denton. So, I'm, I'm, you know, I have not gone by there, but I'm playing it sometime just to be like. Uh, I've, I read on Twitter today, like all the they were supposed to have meetings and the Starbucks people all walked out of the meeting. Nice. Not the, the union folks, but the the anti union folks. Oh, boo. I don't know if that means good. I don't know if that means. Yeah, you know, it's hard to. I don't know what that means, but um, I heard they had Pinkertons running the store now. What? <laughs> I did I see the... a lot of bowler hats yeah. when I was in there. My 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 coffee was made by a man with a Raleigh fingers mustache. That's right. Yeah, a lot of Raleigh fingers mustaches and bowler hats. Yeah. Wearing the 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 old style bike with a big wheel in front, little wheel right. wheel in back. They were parked out front. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I do think that I would rather. Unless the AI, this is being a while, the AI gets to a point where it recognizes you and knows that this guy's pretty cool. I'm gonna get him a little, give him a little extra sauce at the same right, price. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's what I like is a bartender who usually got a little bit of a heavy hand. Yeah. Right. You know. That's what I used to like, and now I'm old, and I'm like, don't make it strong. I gotta, gotta. But man, just imagine, imagine a bar that is again. I, I I've said now on a couple episodes that. I don't, there's no pretense about drinking to me when it's time to drink. It's because you want to feel the effects of alcohol. Right, right. A, a bar that is just, just no frills, just cinder block. You walk in, it's like instead of four ATMs, there's four friendly Italian robots named Brillo, mm-hmm. all ready to make me whatever it is I want. 
make it fast and a little yeah. bit cheaper because there's no labor costs involved. Oh, you know they're charging you more for the robot drinks. Yeah, they will. They will at first, and then somebody's going to say, "Hey, I can make a robot. I'm going to get this okay. off-brand Italian robot." Yeah, good old American Johnny Appleseed style ingenuity. I'll go get a Croatian robot. <laughs> Are they Croats? Croats. Croats. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Croatians. Their cigarettes aren't very good. Remember that. <laughs> so our next story is an arts and culture story, and this is mm. I'm going to just say. I'm going to read the title here. This is one of my favorite stories we've done in a long time. Oh, wow. I'm really, really excited about this one. Even better than the Italian robot bartenders? Because yeah. getting to meet one was one of the great joys <laughs> of my life. <laughs> let me let me read the title for you, Brian, just okay. to set the mood. And then you tell me. All right. So this story comes to us from Vice. Ah, which one? Which one? Uh, collecting Spoons. Okay. okay. So the title is... Meet the Polish LARPers who pretend to be American. Well, I like this. This is like that movie. LARPing standing for live action role playing, right? Well, that was that was my, my first sentence here. So thanks for summing that up. Okay. Right. Well, and also I want people to know that GURPS stands for Juni- Generic Universal Role Playing Systems. <laughs> and MURPS <laughs> is Middle Earth Role Playing Systems. Now uh, GURPS being spelled G-U-R-P-S. Merps mm-hmm. being spelled M-E-R-P-S. Are we going to talk about the movie The Experts? Is that what this is about? Ooh, yeah! Wow, what? that's a that's a that's a that's a that's a reference. Wow, god damn! Uh, what's his name? What's Ari something and uh, John Travolta. Yeah, like after, like right after the John Travolta peak, like right just the John Travolta crash. I think happened with that movie. That movie was such a. Uh, huge flop that it kind of tanked his career for a number of yeah. years. It was also directed by Dave Thomas of uh, Wendy's fame. Oh, Wendy's. Yeah. Didn't, didn't hurt him near as bad. No, Dave Thomas, <laughs> the comedian. So anyway, oh, he, he, Dave Thomas was adopted by the way. The, and the, his why daughter Wendy's Wendy guy. was adopted. Mm-hmm. I yeah. know she was adopted. Square hamburgers. Cause they used to call him a square. I first uh, established <laughs> yeah. in Ohio. Well, they used to, they used to call Dave uh, Thomas the square. And the bullies would go and carve squares into his fat belly mm-hmm. with knives. But you know what? Do you know what Dave is, Thomas would say? There's a reference to a conversation we had before we started recording. Dave Thomas okay. would say, it's okay. It's no biggie. <laughs> so as Mike pointed out, LARPing stands for live action role playing. And okay. I also pointed out that GURPS stands for generic oh, no. universe. Okay, well, continue. Know, Sorry. Right. Hang on so, real quick. I yes. know GURPS, but what does MERP stand for? <laughs> Middle Earth role playing systems. Possibly you want to pretend to be uh, Frodo or his great uncle Bilbo. What if I, Both hobbits. Now you have to roll a different class to play, say, Aragorn. What if I just want to live out a life in the Shire? Can I do that with MERPS? I, I mean, I think there probably would be a system for that. I mean, you might have to deal with. Uh, the desolation of Smaug <laughs> at some point. So LARPing usually entails people dressed in medieval outfits or as vampires or anime characters who then play out a role-playing game in real public spaces, often to the annoyance of p- the people around them. The masquerade. Yeah. Vampire. The vampire game yeah. was called the masquerade. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was. Yes. Yes, there was, was a time when we in our in our youth when you could not go to the hangout area of Denton, Texas, 
without people being mm. like, I am one Peter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in Poland, a 29 year old computer forensics tech has taken this to a whole new level. The man explained, quote, Inspired by Stranger Things and X-Files, we wanted to recreate a small town in the United States where strange things happen, and because of that, men in black arrive. To do this, the man and his group of LARPers found an old resort and converted it into an American-style trailer park. Each year for the past five years, the group has then created an elaborate plot and rolls with up to 200 participants living like they're in a small rural Ohio town on the 4th of July for 28 hours. He said that each year there are about 700 pages of scripted plots, events, and characters before adding, quote, during the game, about a dozen people are responsible for technical issues, moving, preparing the scenery, events, props, setting off fireworks, erecting the tables, all playing various roles of supporting characters. Uh, the game itself deals with the supernatural, but it also incorporates real-life problems facing America, such as poverty, the cost of healthcare, and it, quote, also deals with crime, and we have a drug creation motif, like in Breaking Bad. Once Americans started seeing pictures of the event online, he said he started getting emails, quote, they keep saying there aren't enough old cars, not enough trash, that the barbecues are too small, that the people are too clean, too slim, and too pretty. Their words, not mine. Though one commenter said the Cleveland Browns jersey one person was wearing got them, quote, extra points. You know, you don't get to make fun of our trailer park. And that's pretty <laughs> yeah. shitty. I don't think they're making fun. They're they're celebrating. I feel like, and I feel like, and I feel like it's, I feel like this feels very elitist to me. It's like they're it's like they're playing poor, kind of, and then the Americans that are commenting are like looking down on the common poor man, people. the common Ohioan, <laughs> who just mm-hmm. has his workaday life, getting ready to be replaced by robots, mm-hmm. <laughs> probably some kind of Italian bartending robot. Yeah. The last thing he needs is to be mocked by a bunch of Polish folks. They're Poles. Poles. Yeah, yeah. He comes home. They don't need that. Finds his wife. In bed with a goddamn Italian robot. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and the robot's like, She uh, complete uh, my sentences. <laughs> I uh, fulfill her in ways you cannot. Uh. I'm imagining that they built <laughs> robot genitals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Italian robot genitals. <laughs> <laughs> oh no well i want to know more about the game like i i i i mean right. it sounds like if there's supernatural stuff and uh-huh. then that's got to be in the forefront as opposed to like the touches of like healthcare or something like that yeah i think it's i think it's a lot of like kind of stranger things-esque stuff now if somebody hasn't seen that before i think they've seen stranger things just about it is it set in the 80s that's a good question. It didn't say. I think it could be, but it, you know, I think it just depends on what they're... they said. Older cars yeah, or whatever. They, well, I think the idea is that you know, it, it, Ohio is kind of the Rust Belt, so you see a lot of rusty old cars on blocks and stuff. I would honestly sounds like it could be kind of fun. Sounds like a lot of people are putting like work into it and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah they definitely are very dedicated to having it look and feel right. I would. I would probably go play that, see what it's like. And I would take it seriously the whole time. 
too yeah. seriously. I would like to be someone who would go play that. I I yeah. wish I was someone that was able to go do it and not. Why why aren't you able? It, I don't understand what you're I, saying. I just I have a hard time with twenty eight hours of <laughs> yeah make of the, of that would be hard for me. It's a twenty eight hour experience. They said. I wonder. Yeah, do you? It's sleep? like Fourth of Ju- It's it's like Fourth of July weekend, and I think I think probably you sleep some, but I suspect. I can't imagine like a supernatural event that there aren't times when in the middle of the night when something's got to happen, whether that's a werewolf or UFOs or some abductions. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I definitely get like staying up all night and that's the fun part, but for anything, mm-hmm. but you know, come 8 a.m., 8 to 10, 8 to 11, I'm, I'm going to need my naps. Right. Do they hang out afterwards and like have an after party? It would be weird to show up. For 28 hours and then just sleep because then yeah when do you sleep you gotta go home there's a lot yeah. of logistics i'm worried about the logistics of this yeah it me seems, too yeah it, it, didn't, it didn't make it clear but haphazard. if 200 people are doing this and they're they've got the cost a guy in poland is wearing a cleveland brown shirt i mean you know they're pretty fucking dedicated and i guess one of the big things also is that some americans found out about this and like hey can we send you things and one of the big things they want are the the big red Dixie cups because they don't have those in Europe and they have red them in like Solo cup. The red Solo cup. I'm sorry, yeah. but they because mm-hmm. yeah, they, they have them in every American movie, so they're like, oh, they have these at every party, and really they just have them in movies. Well, I think they do. Well, the big thing wrong. about having them in movies is you don't have to put anything in them, so everybody's drinking out of these cups, but they're not really drinking anything, and you can't tell because they're not clear. I mean, the movies that I mean in the in the Jack Wharton movies, we use whatever real real beverage the characters would be drinking That's commitment so if it's so, if it's cheap beer we put cheap beer in there mm-hmm. we're always going for a very realism sort of thing uh-huh. what if juice, what if there's snake venom juice in there mm-hmm. well if that were to happen yes there would be snake venom in those that was a i think a central plot device of one of the last two or three jack wartons that i saw so how much yeah. how much snake venom have you drank in a scene like total, like over all the takes? I don't know how much is in a, uh, how much is, how much can fill up a two liter bottle? Uh, I think that's around 67 ounces. Yeah. So that much. <laughs> wow. So much snake venom. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever the amount you could fill up a two liter bottle of Coke with. Wow. So yeah, we basically have an assembly line of people milking snakes. <laughs> <clears throat> Which is what you call it when you... Yeah. Well, obviously, yeah. I think I saw that for the first time on That's Incredible. Yeah. A baby food jar and you string like a some like balloon or something on top yeah, of it? Yeah, or like, yeah, some rubber. You uh, hold their mouth down and... Yeah. yeah. Ah, and sounds really them. cruel, actually. Yeah, that was always a fun segment. The old, like, yeah. let's show you how to get the, the anti-venom made segment. Yeah. Now right. TV is just fucking tits and dragons. <laughs> I mean, at that age, I kind of did wish TV was just tits and dragons. I got to admit. Well, you're lucky because that's all it is now. Well, I, yeah, I don't know. It sounds cool to me. What's the name of it? Uh, I didn't see, like, everything was translated from Polish. Like, they had it in Vice, but it would be, like, translated from Polish. So I don't, I don't know what they call their event. I think LARPing must be, must be big there. If you're getting 200 people to LARP as Americans. Does it translate into the one cool thing Poland does? Poland, Poland, yeah, there's some good Polish movies. Like what? Like what? The the Three Colors trilogy. 
blue, white, oh. and rouge. <laughs> oh, that's the um. Oh, those are the colors of the American flag. See, they're obsessed. Yeah, with that this. is pretty cool. It's about is it pro USA? <laughs> the the I don't know. You know, I mean, we we were able to pull up. We probably almost pull up those numbers on some of the uh, the haunted houses we do during Halloween time yeah. every year, of which I have not been to one, but no. in the last couple no. years. I, I, I'm sure it's it's fun. And I do, I as I recall, I think Poland is where the, the guy who wrote that show or the, the books, the Witcher books is from. Oh, yes. Right? yes. Yeah, that's and true. There's a, a really good gaming clearinghouse, I think, in Poland. It was with the cyberpunk games made by a Polish company. I think they were. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I believe they were. Yeah. So there's, you know what? There is a lot of great. And I think maybe they came up with a not some kind of vaccine in Poland recently. Or not is recently, it, what, but like. Did they come up with the Fauci ouchie? <laughs> No, but I'm so glad that's what you're calling it. I have not heard that. The Fauci ouchie. You've never heard the Fauci ouchie? Wow, that's my yeah. least favorite one. I'm shocked that you've never heard that, Brian. Yeah, it's, it's, I it's love called it. the Fauci ouchie. And um, have I told you me and my mom's opinion on Fauci? No, I no, I, We hate him! <laughs> He'll have his one day. Mm-hmm. The good people of Poland suffered under the iron boot of the former Soviet Union. True, true. That was terrible. You know what? They're, they're, I, I take it's it. A, I, it's a vibrant country with a vibrant history. I'm turning around on Poland. I feel like maybe I, I almost slipped into American propaganda of mm-hmm. the Eastern Bloc. And I'm, yes. I'm, I'm saying, you know what? Warsaw, so, not that bad. Poland, you get the INS bump. <laughs> oh, stand by. Invest in a buy, buy in now, ladies and gentlemen. This is your chance. You want to ride this all the way to the top. All right. What, what all do right. we got next? We got you, Mike. We got, oh, we well. got a new story from Get to Know Your Podcast. Well, this is an official back to getting to know your podcast. Sometimes on these podcasts that we do, we might make a reference to a thing you might not, not know about so much because we have such intelligentsia of obscure <laughs> things and we would like to take this time to illuminate some of those things that have come up uh, i'll be naming what the uh the series is but right now i'll start with this airwolf is an american oh. action military drama television series that centers on a high technology military helicopter codenamed airwolf Yes. Whoa. Uh, so Airwolf was a TV show that's, I believe, made a number of uh, appearances on the INS podcast. Uh, fellas, do you have any recollections of watching the TV show Airwolf? Absolutely. I think I've seen every episode. Well, see, I, I really like the show Blue Thunder. And when Airwolf came on, it was it was so Blue Thunder was about a militarized police helicopter that blew a lot of shit up in L.A. and was also bulletproof. And then like at exactly the same time Airwolf came on and I was a Blue Thunder guy. I thought mm-hmm. Airwolf was boring. I thought <laughs> Jan Michael Vincent was boring. I didn't what? think the oh. action was any good. I I was not a fan. But Blue I, Thunder I did have, I believe, uh Dick Budkus and Bubba Smith. That is correct. Uh two two football stars, former yeah. football player stars were in it. Um I think Dana Carvey the, was in that too. He may have been. There was a well. Blue Blue Thunder was coming off a, a movie. There was a movie, right. a version right. of, of first of Blue Thunder starring Roy Scheider, 
And uh, and Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm, I did not even know that. But Blue Thunder, Blue Thunder was kind of like a a real kind of standard military looking helicopter with a big Gatlin gun up front. Whereas right. Airwolf was kind of its own. I probably completely. It looked very sleek and kind of. Uh, I don't think that they made any other helicopters that looked like Airwolf. And the the deal with Airwolf was it was much faster. It could go uh, so fast, so fast, <laughs> and had a mi- lot more missiles and right. and guns. It was super. Fa- it could definitely like, you know, Blue Thunder was somewhat more grounded in the realism of helicopters, whereas Airwolf was sort of the. Uh, it couldn't talk, but it was sort of the night rider. Uh, the sort of the kit of helicopters. This was the era where if you had a TV show, it uh-huh. had better be based around a vehicle of some yeah, sort. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, this was in like, like 1984. It had four seasons, uh, but I don't know if you can really count the fourth season. Uh, three, Didn't Ernest Borgnine die off in the, like, was he Yeah, killed? there's three yeah. seasons that were set um, that CBS did. And then the fourth season, uh, they canceled it. And then, uh, like, I think a year later, USA picked it up. But, right. but on the first episode, they kill off Ernest Borgnine. And Jan Michael Vincent, who is the star, gets hurt really bad and is only in, like, for the first 15 minutes, just kind of, like, to, to kind of hand off the episode. I don't even think, I don't even know if if they had new footage of Ernest Borgnine when they killed him off. No, they just show him from behind. It's just yeah. that body double. Mm-hmm. So the main cast was Jan Michael Vincent, uh, who we'll get into maybe not even totally today. Uh, Ernest Borgnine. And then I don't know. And Ernest Borgnine being, uh, I think he gets referenced quite a lot on this show as well. He was a man that looked like sort of like a, he had the face of a, of a bulldog, yeah, in, in, okay. a, in a real lovable way, but yeah. uh, very bulldog looking. Um, he's the actor that was in Escape from New York, and uh, geez, it's tons of movies. You know, right. the the Wild Bunch. He could play sinister and lovable, lovable at the same time. At the same time, yeah, yeah, a great man. And had Alex Core, Deborah Pratt. I'm not uh, familiar with Gene Bruce Scott, who was added a regular in seasons two and three. The program was originally, yeah, like I said, it was originally on CBS and the USA Network, which I don't think I ever really saw that much. That must have been a newish, USA was probably pretty new, and I'm sure that the, the budget went way down. The show had a really cool, distinctive musical score, but real synth-based, kind of cool synthesizer stuff in the second season was real. And that kind of, the title sequence is, it says Airwolf, and then there's a very 80s grid sort of display, like would be uh-huh. on a Trapper Keeper was mm. behind it. Um, so, it's, And what it was about was uh, Airwolf is, a, is an advanced prototype of a supersonic helicopter with stealth capabilities and formidable arsenal. Airwolf was designed by Charles Henry Moffat, a genius with a psychopathic taste for torturing and killing women. <laughs> Wow. And it was built by a thing called The Firm, a division, mm-hmm. uh, division of the Central Intelligence Agency. And they, they always call it the company. They're always referring it to yeah. it as a company. Yeah, I remember that. So when the series begins, uh, the crazy guy, he, he, he and his crew, they steal Airwolf during a live fire weapons test. And during the theft, Moffat, uh, the bad guy, he opens fire on The Firm's bunker and he kills a U.S. senator and seriously mm-hmm. injures the, the deputy director. Um, and the deputy director is kind of like the cue that they go to us, but his name is Archangel. 
its code name mm-hmm. is, is like does Briggs it have an iPad? Third. Oh yes. yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, and. So the bad guy takes Airwolf to Libya where he starts performing acts of aggression and he like destroys a, an American destroyer. Uh, guess who he's working for? Gaddafi. Whoa. Oh, my. Who was the most like Gaddafi was such the villain of, of our childhood. Like he oh, was man. really way more than I remember. Yeah. Way more hate for him probably even than Saddam Hussein until like... When we were kids, yeah. When we were kids, like Gaddafi Mm -hmm. was the bad guy. And I think even the thing too where Gaddafi like... Gaddafi looked more... Legitimately looked like a movie bad guy compared to like Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein kind of like dumpy and stuff. But Gaddafi like had like a fucking perm and like way too many gaudy medals and like fucking aviator sunglasses all the time. The worst, right? Iron Eagle was anti Gaddafi, right? Iron Eagle series, right. Iron Eagle movies. I think Sounds so. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, so you know, evil bad guy is you know he's he's living in Libya, Libya with Gaddafi. So Archangel, uh, the 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 eye patched Archangel, recruits the reclusive Stringfellow Hawk, a <laughs> good name. former test pilot. He's a former test pilot of the development of Airwolf. Uh, he was, and he was a gunship pilot. And he's played by Jan Michael Vincent, who is a, a sort of just non-actor pretty boy of that time. Who was in a lot of stuff. I always thought he looked really, really ugly. Was he a pretty boy? Oh yeah, he okay. was. He was very seventies handsome. Okay. He had That's fair. Flowing, flowing. Uh, you know, kind of bowl cut, kind of feathered hair. So. In order to, so he recruits Stringfellow Hawk, and then uh, he leaves his assistant uh, Gabrielle Admoir, who immediately becomes Stringfellow's love interest. And they 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 go to Stringfellow Hawk's cabin to brief him for the mission. A week uh-huh. later, after an undercover operative in Libya is killed in the line of duty, Gabrielle is sent undercover, and Hawk is sent in sooner than originally planned, oh. with the assistance of pilot and father figure Dominic Santini. <laughs> played by Ernest Borgnine. Now, could you do me a favor and say that say that name as though you were an Italian robotic bartender? Dominic Santini. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dominic Santini. So, uh, Stringfellow finds and recovers Airwolf, but Gabrielle is tortured and killed by Moffat. <gasps> So Stringfellow gets in Airwolf and he obliterates Moffat with a hail of missiles from Airwolf before returning to the United States. <laughs> Instead of returning the gunship, Hawk and Santini booty, booby trap the Airwolf and they hide it in the lair, which is a large cave that it lives in, in the remote uh, Valley of the Gods, which is they, they visually similar to Monument Valley. Okay. Hawk refuses to return Airwolf until the firm can find and recover his brother, St. John. His brother's name is St. John. He was went missing in action in the Vietnam War, which was another big that was yep. a big uh, big yeah. thing back in the day. Um, every dramatic hero, every action hero had to have a had to have been in Vietnam. Yeah, for sure. And and there was a lot of like you know, missing in action, either they were they were captured or they, they had somebody they needed to get back and capture yeah. and they needed help. So in order to obtain access to Airwolf, Archangel offers Stringfellow Hawk protection from the other government agencies who want to recover Airwolf. In return, 
Stringfellow and Santini must fly <laughs> missions of national importance for the firm. So for the first, the firm for the first three seasons is both an ally and an enemy for Hawk and Santini. Wow. With, with an opportunity to see Airwolf presented itself, they would often go for it. The first season of the the first season of the series was dark and arc driven and quite reflective of the contemporary Cold War, with the firm personnel distinctly dressed in white, implicitly boasting that wearing white hats distinguished them from good instead of evil. Hawk remained unconvinced. And Santini was skeptical also. This was explained in the season one episode, Daddy's Gone a Hunting. <laughs> Early episodes frequently detail the efforts of the United States government to recover Airwolf from Hawk, who was officially charged with having stolen it. But because CBS wanted to make the series more family-oriented, the program just transformed in season two into more of a light-hearted show, and Hawk and Santini are p- portrayed as cooperative partners in the firm. This persisted into the fourth season with the newly introduced company and the new crew of Airwolf. So yeah, like season three is all like a new crew, and I, I never really watched that. Did y'all? I never. I only ever caught it on TV occasionally. I don't yeah. remember. I don't remember it. I know that Airwolf was a big player on a weekly basis, and I do remember the the tone being because that was like was it the same time as the A Team? Yeah, the, the same I mean, era. Yeah, same like, era for sure. I mean, some of those some of those years had to cross over. Eighty four. If it was eighty four to eighty seven, then certainly A Team was going on. Well, the A team because the A team had that same—they're doing good work, and especially before they added the the special effects guy. But like, yeah, before that, they were doing good work. But you know, what was it Colonel Decker was out to get them right? The right. the army still wanted to hunt them down because they were a wall. Yeah, it yeah. was much more happy go lucky. And I I remember specifically air, seeing episodes of air episodes of Airwolf and it being like it was a little it w- it wasn't as easy to recognize as just a fun story when I was right. a kid. Like I could tell there was. There was more to it. That was well, okay. You had, yeah. a, you had a helicopter that shot missiles every every week. So right, yeah, right. And it wasn't always for sure they were going to get away in a real kind of you know adventure hero way. Oh. I feel like he had a number of dead love interests. Like he killed them? No, like he oh, would okay. date them. They would get killed, or they would end being evil, and he would like right. maybe kill. I don't know. I don't know. If, I mean, the deaths were never like you know, graphic on screen, but they would turn on him and, you know, they would be flying uh, some sort of other equally capable ship and he'd have to gun them down and blow them up or whatever. The age of the helicopter. Well, let me tell you the, about the, the main characters. Okay. String, Stringfellow, quote, String Hawk, played by Jan Michael Vincent. Uh, when Stringfellow Hawk was 10, he and his parents were involved in a boating accident. He was rescued by his brother, St. John, after parents drowned. So he's, he's John, St. John saves him, but his parents drowned. Were his parents unable to come up with a with a normal name? They were not. That was one of their that was one of their same flaws. That and being unable to swim were their only two weaknesses. Right. After the death of his parents and subsequent death of his girlfriend in a car crash. So man, God, this is this is the first girlfriend, right? Not this is an episode girlfriend. one girlfriend. Okay. okay. Right. Stringfellow grew to believe that anyone he loved was destined to die. Yeah. And die tragically. Yeah, face man did not see the world. So way. in a U.S. Army mission during the Vietnam War, Stringfellow was separated from his brother, St. John. Stringfellow was rescued, but St. John was not. St. John was subsequently listed as MIA, causing Stringfellow to further withdraw from society. 
and Stringfellow, the you know the the badass pilot, Vietnam vet sniper, also has a master's degree in applied physics. Ah, ah yes, obviously. Right. And while often hot-tempered, he could also be pragmatic. He was also an avid fisherman, and he ate fish but refused to eat red meat. Uh, he also refused, and this is, this is canon, he also refused to wear underwear. <laughs> Stringfellow lived in seclusion in a log cabin by Lake Hemet with his blue-tick coonhound named Tet named after the 1968 communist oh, no. Tet offensive, mm-hmm. where he serenaded eagles on his priceless Stradivarius cello. So he's also, on top of being a good fisherman, yes. he's also a really good cello player and had a Stradivarius, which is, you know... Uh, is it, is it fair to say that, that he's a real Jack Wharton type? Is there, there is a little bit of Wharton. There, it does have right. Wharton vibes. Oh. Uh, he also had a remarkable collection of rare paintings, which his grandfather collected for his grandmother. So, um, yeah, he has rare paintings. Jack Wharton has every issue of Doctor Strange. <laughs> In perfect mint condition. So they're both art. They're both, yeah, they're both like art people. Sure, sure. In 1982, Stringfellow served as a test pilot for the Airwolf during his deployment program. He was one of several pilots to fly Airwolf, and the firm recruited him to recover Airwolf after its designer. At some point, he does end up getting his brother St. John back, and uh, St. John's the person that, rec- that, re- that nurses him back to health in the hospital when he gets blown up in the beginning of Season 3. And then he goes to live with his brother. Oh. So all's well that ends well, right? Uh, Dominic Dom Santini was uh, played by Ernest Borgnine. Santini was born and raised on the fictional Caribbean island of San Remo. Santini was one of the Italian-Americans that lived there, and he was bilingual, speaking both English and Italian fluently. A ladies' man in his youth, because you can imagine Ernest Borgnine being a ladies' man. (laughs) Yes, yes. Dominic was forced to marry Lila, a young woman from a wealthy family, when she falsely claimed to be carrying his child. And then she she would not truly become pregnant until years later in their marriage. Now, though Lila left Dominic and took their daughter, Sally Ann, when Sally was seven, Dominic always kept his cottage in San Remo in the hope that Sally would return. Sally Ann followed a jet-set existence Focused on the casino in San Remo, Lila used Sally to provide her with male companionship. Sally Ann Santini died of a drug overdose in 1984, which devastated Dominic. Weeks later, Lila was murdered by San Remo's criminal element while attempting to blackmail the owner of San Remo Casino. When Dominic was arrested for her murder, Stringfellow helped bring the guilty parties to justice and used Airwolf to destroy the casino. (laughs) Santini's other known relatives include his younger brother, Tony Santini, and Tony's daughter, Joe Santini, who become important supporting characters on the series during its fourth and final season. Dominic also has another niece, Holly Matthews, who suffers from a delusional emotional illness and nearly causes disaster for her uncle and his friends during a season two episode called the truth about Holly Santini was a veteran of world war two and the Korean war and a combat aviator for the U S army. He got to be good friends with uh Stringfellow because uh, he was friends with Stringfellow's father 
And when there's, there's, there's when they're killed in the that boating accident, <laughs> boats. Santini mm-hmm. is the one who raised Stringfellow and uh, Saint John, and then so obviously Santini has an, a vested interest in finding Saint John in those dark, dark uh, torture chambers of the Vietnam killing fields. Um, and also Archangel, Santini doesn't like Archangel and derisively refers to him as Mr. Clean. (laughs) (laughs) That'll show him. So yeah, he dies in the, in the, uh, thing. But, um, so there's a later episode where there is a, a character named William Lucking and Lucking. Oh no, the actor was William Lucking where, there was is supposed to be a backdoor pilot for Magnum PI. And originally like Magnum PI was going to get introduced on Airwolf and then they were going to spin it off to that. And that episode exists, but at some point um, it didn't end up happening. And years later he was able to, um, they were able to push uh, Magnum PI. I'm going to get more on uh, the next episode into mm-hmm. uh Stringfellow Hawk, the actor that played Stringfellow Hawk, Jan Michael Vincent, because he's pretty goddamn interesting. But and we'll also later get into Magnum PI because we are talking about the producer, Donald P. Belisario, Ooh, who did a number yes. of shows. Because, ladies and gentlemen, this marks the start of the Belisario son. <laughs> I'm excited now. I've been looking but forward there'll to be this some one. more. There'll be some more, a little bit more Airwolf stuff because Jan Michael Vincent's career is. Uh, pretty wild and woolly yeah he's still alive right no oh okay so i just i want to add one thing to everything that you've been saying real quick which is ernest borgnine at 91 years old was on fox and friends and they asked him his secret to staying young to which he responded i masturbate a lot i masturbate to stay active (laughs) well cool guy do it Super cool. cool guy. That and that that it might be the magic amulet or it might be the other thing. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to say. I'll just say I'm not gonna walk around without my amulet, but I'm also gonna not take any other shortcuts to make sure I live a there, there you go. There you go. Why, life. Why why risk it? You're you're a real belt and suspenders guy. Exactly. Nice. <laughs> So that wraps up another week of the International News Service. Find us across social media at International News Pod. Email us at internationalnewspod at gmail.com. Be sure to send us some images the next time you LARP as the INS hosts. Check out the INS merch store at Redbubble and our Patreon. We'll see you next week.